in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day, day's walk from the sea. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James and Simon, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. Well, so this morning we're actually uh, going to look at a few different aspects of the resurrection life. So we've been talking about that for a while. But firstly, we know there's no resurrection without the fact that Jesus died and rose again, that we might sort of have life. And last Sunday, sort of six people sort of were baptised sort of into Jesus as a sign of the beginning of a new life. You know, and that was absolutely sort of fantastic. But that's the start. It's not the end. It's just the beginning. You know, it's the beginning of the resurrection life. It's a symbol that sort of they put in the past away, sort of that they die into self and rising again sort of to a new life in Jesus. So, sort of as we are told daily, sort of um, in the gospel, that we are to take up our cross every day and follow Jesus. Sort of that's part of the resurrection life. It's not sort of easy going all the time. It can actually be quite tough. So Jesus knew it was difficult for us to follow him in our own strength. And that's why he said to the disciples in the passage we've just read that they were to wait in Jerusalem until they received the Holy Spirit. Now, there was three significant aspects, I think, in that passage about the resurrection life. The first was that they had to wait. 
the second that they needed to receive the Holy Spirit, and the third was togetherness in unity. So the first thing we're going to look at is waiting. So the disciples were told that they would need to wait for the Holy Spirit, and they were told not many days from now. Now, I don't know about you, but what does many days from now sound like? It could be, oh, is it tomorrow? Oh, is it the day after? Mm, Will it be three days? Well, they had to wait for about 10 days. And I don't know what you're like with waiting, but I'm not exactly the best. So when I'm going on holiday, it's sort of like a few hours before. I'm pacing up and down. You know, if you're waiting for a taxi, I'm up and down sort of the room just pacing. Or sort of, if I see a big queue, it's like, do you know, I'm not even going to bother. I've been known to put things back and walk out the shop. So I'm not a good waiter. And I sometimes think sort of we have lots of emotions that sort of well up when we're told to wait. And God often tells us that we've got to wait. And sort of, we can get angry. We can get upset. We can get bitter. We can start to doubt. So there's all sorts of things that come up in our heads when we're told to wait, especially when we believe and we even know that God has promised us something. And we can sort of get really uptight about it. But we've got to remember that God, as we sang in the song, is perfect in all of his ways. He knows what is best for us and he knows the right timing. But I sometimes think we get sort of really quite upset and angry and frustrated because we're looking at waiting in the wrong way. We're looking at waiting as I am waiting for something to be delivered to me. Whereas, sort of, as you can see, I think the best way to think about waiting is to think of a waiter. Think of what a waiter does. So I had the privilege of going to the Savoy Hotel for afternoon tea sort of some time ago. And it was really, really lovely. So the atmosphere is lovely. The food is fantastic. And sort of nothing is too much trouble. And the waiters do not get in your face. But they're there. So as soon as your teapot's empty, they're there. Would you like some more tea? So really attentive, really watching what's going on. And I think sort of we need to be like that. So they're calm, they're attentive, nothing's too much trouble. So they're not, they're peaceful, they're still, they're ready to do what is needed, but they're not pestering you all the time. And so I think we can learn a lot of that because we're to wait on God. We're not waiting for God to do things for us all the time. It's our job to wait on God. What does God want from you? What does God want from me? So I think sort of the first thing we need to be is watchful and attentive to what God is saying and doing. Because if Jesus had to do that, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. How much more have we got to be attentive? Jesus went every morning sort of up the hills to sort of spend some quiet time with the Father. He needed to do that. 
how much more do we? We need to watch and pray. So that's what the Bible tells us. So to wait, we need to be still and peaceful. I don't know if you've ever found when you've got something running around in your head, sort of then you can't hear anything else. You just get totally distracted by what's going round and round. And so if we haven't got sort of that peace in our hearts and our minds, then we won't hear what God is saying to us. So if you feel sort of this morning that you're in inner turmoil, sort of if your mind is running sort of all over the place, if things that are going on that you need to hand over, sort of get somebody to pray or come out at the end and we'll pray. Because sort of we need to have that stillness and that calmness and that peace that Jesus promised us. He says, peace I leave you. Peace not as the world gives, but I give you peace. And if you haven't got that peace at this time, sort of you need to sort of get hold of it so that sort of you can hear what God is wanting to say. We need to be patient too. Sort of because you know, sort of God is going to do things in his way and his time. You know, a waiter is patient. He's not thinking, I wish you'd, well, he might be, but sort of he doesn't show it. Wish you'd hurry up and just eat that and get on with it. You know, sort of we've got to wait for God's timing because he knows what is the best time. And sometimes we might have to wait days. We might have to wait weeks. We might have to wait years. But God's clock is never slow. Ours is sometimes fast. And sort of that's absolutely true. You know, sort of you'll have found it in your own experiences from time to time. You think, gosh, you know, that was the right time for that to happen. And if it would have been that bit sooner, it would have all not worked out. God's got your best in mind all the time. To wait on God is to be ready and quick to respond. So if you remember the story of the five wise and the five foolish virgins, the wise virgins had their oil already full in the lamp and spare. And the foolish ones let their oil run out. And then when the time was right, they weren't ready. You know, and as a good waiter, we've got to be ready for when God says, right, now I want you to move. And it's not only being ready, it's being obedient. Because it's no good having your oil ready and sort of, uh, right, come on, off we go. And you sit there and say, no, I'm not going. You know, there's no point at all. God wants us to be trustworthy and obedient. That's what the resurrection life is about. Sort of in the waiting, it's to wait on God. Wait for his instruction. Wait for his direction. Sort of wait for his timing. There's a poem by John Milton with a saying about, which is about serving God. And the last line says, they also serve who only stand and wait. Now, I know sort of most of us don't want to be just stood waiting for instructions. But sort of that's still service to God if that's what he's called you to do. However, 
it also says in the Bible that God has already prepared good works for you to do. So he's not going to be expecting you to be sitting around doing nothing forever. (laughs) But he might actually expect you to sit and wait for the instructions so you don't run off on your own. We're told in Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. The second key, I believe, from this passage is that we are to receive the Holy Spirit. You know, the disciples were told to wait in Jerusalem to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, they didn't, they were, didn't really want to wait there because that's where they were going to be, you know, sort of potentially attacked. It was going to be sort of quite a scary place for them to be. But sort of they obeyed the instruction and waited. And they waited for the Holy Spirit because they needed him. Jesus knew they needed the Holy Spirit. They knew they needed the Holy Spirit. They were a group of people that were quite frightened, that weren't going out there sort of proclaiming sort of the truth. They were in the room, granted sort of, you know, sort of praying and seeking God. But sort of they weren't there as witnesses at that time. And the Bible tells us it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And we can do lots of things. And some of us are really good at doing things. But if it's not by God's spirit, it won't change things. You know, and I think that's one of the pitfalls we can fall into. We can be good at doing. You know, we can all be good at doing. But are we doing it in the strength that God wants to provide for us? Because our way is not the right way. It's God's way that's the best. See, it's really easy to get used to doing things in a certain way, behaving in a certain way, thinking in a certain way, living a good life. But we're doing it in our own strength. So we have to watch ourselves because 2 Timothy 3 and verse 5, I'll have to look. It says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. You know, we need to watch ourselves in that because we can easily have a form of godliness, but deny its power. It can be harder to walk in step with the spirit when things are going well. If there's nothing sort of to disturb us, if there's nothing to sort of challenge us, we can just do our own thing. And we can just do months. We can end up doing years sometimes. And then we're suddenly pulled up and it's like, you know, I did all that. God wasn't in it. I did that. You know, and sort of we've got to watch ourselves because that is a ploy of the enemy. He wants to lull us into a sense of false security. You're doing fine. It's not a problem. You're good at that. You absolutely are. But is God sort of with you in it? Are you letting God move through you? You know, so if we've got to watch because our enemy, the devil, prowls like a hungry lion looking for those he can, dis- he can devour. 
You know, like we said, if Jesus needed to be still and seek the Father, if Jesus needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, so do we. How often do you and I go about the new life as though it's all about us? What I want, what I can do. It's easy to be gradually lulled into that sense. You know, we sometimes do need a shock, don't we? To say, no, you know, we need God. The resurrection life is about daily laying, laying down my life, handing it to God day to day and allowing him to move in me and through me by his spirit. Thirdly, from this passage, we learn that the resurrection life is not a solo sport. There was 120 of them gathered together. You know, and for us in this society, in the way we live now, it can become really easy to think that sort of our Christian life is my Christian life. It's what I do. It's how I do it. But it isn't. It's not a solo sport. 120 of them, brothers and sisters, were gathered together. They had a shared experience. They were encouraging one another. And later it tells us they had all things in common. They were watching out for one another. They were working together. They were eating together. They were praying together. So if they helped each other out. The resurrection life can't be lived in isolation. We were a people created for community. We are the family of God. That's why we're called the family of God. A family does things together, doesn't it? You know, so it's important that we stick together. And one of the main reasons is, like I've just mentioned earlier, is that our enemy, the devil, prowls like a hungry lion looking for those he can devour. And I don't know if you watch animal programs, but I do. And you see sort of when the lions go prowling, what do they do? They don't go into the middle of a pack of zebra or a herd of zebra and sort of pull out the one in the middle. They look for the one that's lagging behind, the one that's decided, oh, you know, I'm going to eat that grass over there so they can go and do their own thing. So we need each other. Not only is the safety in numbers, there's also the fact that we are there for one another. If somebody falls down on their own, they've fallen down. It's hard to get up when you've had a nasty fall on your own. But together, there's somebody to help you up. And that's another reason why we need one another. They used to tell sort of a, when I was younger, sort of a story, because some of you won't ever have seen a real coal fire. <laughs> but sort of, uh, they used to say, if you take one of the coals out and put it on the hearth, it quickly goes out. Whereas if you put it back amongst all the other coals, it stays in a long time. We need each other sort of to pull us up occasionally, to encourage each other occasionally. To say, come on, you're doing a good job. And when we, on our own, we can sort of think really strange things sometimes. And we need one another to put us straight. You know, it's easy to deceive yourself if you're on your own. It's not so easy when you're in family. You'll know that if you're married or you've got children or you've got somebody who's really close to you. They're going to be happy to tell you when you're doing something stupid. You know, and you don't mind because sort of that's what it's about, isn't it? 
it's about sort of looking out for one another that we don't make silly mistakes and if somebody's there with us they can help us along you know so if we do need one another community is really important and Jesus even prayed that that was one of his last prayers that we might be one as he is one with the father it's really important to Jesus it's really important to the father that we are a people who love one another and who show sort of God's love to one another first and then to around as we are doing sort of at, at give a day. But sort of it's important, you know, those are the things that are part of our resurrection life. So today we need to ask ourselves, is my resurrection life flourishing? Am I one who waits well on God? Am I one who walks in the spirit? Am I ready? Am I really a part of community or do I walk alone? Whatever your answers are to that, we need more of God's spirit in us. We need his spirit to help us live the life he wants us to. So if you sort of want some prayer, sort of if you want more of the Holy Spirit, then sort of, you know, let's just sort of come and uh, we can come out and just pray for one another that we can be filled afresh sort of with God. So I'm just going to ask if we just have some music on and if you want to come forward and we'll sort of just pray together for whatever, either more of the Holy Spirit or if you're in turmoil inside, we'll pray that too. So we'll just put some music on now. Thanks. is for a reason but you don't know what you don't know and you'll never have peace if you don't let go of tomorrow cause it ain't even fate till your plan falls apart but you still choose to follow if it doesn't make sense right now it will when it's over 